Welcome to the Overthinking It Book Club for Ender's Game. This is uh, our introduction to the book club and to Ender's Game. I'm Matthew Rather, and with me is the world's foremost authority on Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, Ben Adams. Ben, welcome to the book club. World's foremost authority. I like that. I'm going I'm to go with it. <laughs> uh, but hey, good to be on. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited is, also. Uh, um, this this is probably when people ask what's your favorite book that's always kind of a loaded question but Ender's Game is usually what I answer so <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it excellent well I'm, I I want to hear about why uh, I want to hear about why that is so uh, in the book club this is a new kind of thing that we're doing on overthinking it where we are going to try to uh, read a book together and get the whole global community of overthinkers reading and talking about uh, a book we do it uh, with TV shows we do it with the movies that come out uh, especially over the summer, but we've never tried it with a book before. And honestly, uh, we're pegging it to the film adaptation of Ender's Game that is going to come out in the fall of 2013. Uh, and uh, Ben, you've been writing some posts for overthinking it about that uh, and about the trailers. You're such an aficionado of Ender's <laughs> Game that you, you have uh, a great deal to say about even the trailers, right? Right. Well, I mean, it's when you, when you love a the movie, you know, is both an opportunity for excitement and nervousness or, or terror, depending on, on who's doing the adapting and what the property is. And so the trailers are like our little glimpse in deciding, is this going to be, you know, is it going to do the book justice? And so that the, when that's all we have, that, that's what I'm going to overanalyze. Excellent. Um, okay, so uh, here is what uh, it's going to be. We have, and this will all be in the the notes on in the post that accompanies this um, uh, this audio file, uh, which, by the way, is also going out on the Overthinking It podcast uh, audio feed. So it will be spoiler free. I promise. Um, uh, this this episode will be right. Uh, Although I should say, since it's a very spoilerable book, I mean, there, there's a couple things that happen that are very much someone can, can kind of ruin the experience. I'm going to be dropping fake spoilers. Uh, I did this to my brother when he was reading. He, I lent the book to him, and he was reading it, and I kept telling him fake spoilers just to get him going. Uh, and that way, also, I'll be protected in case I accidentally drop a real spoiler. You're going to think that it's just a fake one, so I'm, I'm well protected. I'm glad. Uh, okay, I'm glad I know not to trust you. Um, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes lies are more dependable than the truth. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I only know that because I've read the first couple pages. You're spoiling the, the first page <laughs> or the second page. Uh, yes. So. Uh, We've divided up the book, or I should say Ben has divided the book because I've never read it and he is an expert, into six, uh, six sections. So can you, uh, can you say what they are? And we'll put this, we'll write this down in the show notes also. Sure. So to start with the first block, and luckily these worked out to roughly equal blocks of about 50 or 60 pages. I had to fudge it on a couple to, to make, make narrative sense. But we'll start off with... Chapters one through six, which is going to take, uh, for those of you who read the book, which takes us roughly up to the point where he joins Salamander Army. Like I can mostly do this just based on the chapter titles without spoiling anything. Uh, and then from there, we'll be doing week two. Uh, we'll be doing chapters just seven and eight, 
which takes us through Salamander Army and Rat Army. This is all very meaningful, I assure you. Uh, chapters 9 and 10 will be week 3. Uh, and this takes us a big, big chunk through the battle room. And week 4 is going to be chapters 11 and 12, uh, which I can't say much about without spoiling too much, but uh, this is finishing up the battle room. And then we're going to go chapters 13 and 14, uh, which is going to be week five. And that's going to take us through a whole chunk of plot. And then finally, uh, week six will just be the last 20 pages, uh, chapter 15, uh, which is almost an epilogue. But uh, it, it's very, very important. And so we'll, we can really dive into that. Awesome. And in that uh, week six, we're also going to be... Uh, kind of wrapping up the book and dealing with some some listener comments and and feedback and stuff like that. Speaking of which, uh, here's how it's going to to work. Um, your uh, the the audio podcast where we're going to discuss each section is going to come out during the week. Uh, in question, and we've, we're scheduling it, we're timing it, um, something we rarely do on Overthinking It. We are calling our shots in terms of <laughs> scheduling, uh, in terms of scheduling content and overthinking it. Uh, it's going to be starting the week of this, of September 23rd, Monday, September 23rd, uh, and going up through the week of October, uh, 28th in time for the release of the book. Uh, sorry, in time for the release of the film, which comes out uh, early in November, uh, I think November first is the is the release date. So you will be, we will be, um, and then we'll probably have a follow up one about the uh, film on the main Overthinking It podcast. So uh, the Friday before the Monday, so your your uh, reading assignments, uh, chapters one through six, due on September twenty third, seven and eight due on September thirtieth, nine and ten October seventh, chapters eleven and twelve the fourteenth. Chapters 13 and 14 on October the 21st and chapter 15, uh, the completion of the book on the 28th. Um, But the Friday before, we are going to open a section in the forum uh, in our uh, Overthinking It forums, which you can reach at overthinkingit.com slash forum. Forums. I, I didn't use the proper, proper Latin plural, Ben. I just uh, did forums uh, when I uh, opened up that section of the site. Um, and uh, that will contain uh, a post from us with study questions uh, that will uh, take you through the, the weekend's reading and also uh, have the ability for you to start discussion topics of your own uh, and uh, participate in other people's discussion topics so that it actually can be a group effort, not just between the two of us as broadcasters, uh, but between the whole community of overthinkers worldwide, um, reading and commenting on the book together. So we're not going to use the comments uh, on the post to do this. Each post will have a link to the appropriate uh, section in the forums. So uh, that's that is how it's going to work. I don't know any other any other uh, business we need to do. Oh yes, you should you should have a copy of the book, um, and it can be because we're using chapters and stuff like that, not page, not page numbers. Um, you know any any format, any ebook, and uh, I'm I'm going to put a couple of Amazon affiliate links uh, into the show notes for this uh, for this episode so that uh, if you care to spare a couple cents of support for overthinking it by buying the book uh, on a Kindle or in paperback uh, through Amazon um, uh, will benefit 
uh, from that as well. If you are buying a copy of the book, if you're using your own, uh, for goodness sake, bring, uh, bring your own well-thumbed copy with your marginal notes and uh, stuff like that. So uh, that's it. That's the that's the news. This is the book club. So why, you know, why Ender's Game, Ben? I mean, saying that something is your favorite book is a is a strong statement, and it's a as you say, it's a loaded question when people ask it. Uh, what's so darn good about it? No, I mean that's always you know as I said, it is a loaded question. I mean, I guess I'll just start by saying it's. Like everything else, when you read something when you're young, I think it sticks with you. And so I read this in, I think, middle school for the first time. And I think as a child, it's, as a younger person, it's a very easy book to identify with because it is a coming-of-age story. It's about him growing up. Um, but it's not a book that talks down to children. I think that's a problem with at least some fiction that's perceived as being young adults is that it kind of talks down to the genre game is, I mean, it, it's not meant for children. It's definitely a book meant for adults. Um, and so I think I like that about it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I mean, of course, just a good story. I mean, if you, you just, you start with the basics of it. it's an, it's a story. It's well written. I like the characters are interesting. Um, the, uh, I was reading a little bit today, just doing a little bit of prep work and I read a good line in the, original review of the New York Times where the, the reviewer was saying that it if you describe the plot to somebody it sounds ridiculously derivative oh it's a book about fighting aliens that look like bugs and there's you know a child genius and it just kind of sounds like a very low grade plot uh, but he does a lot with that which I, which I enjoy uh-huh. that it's in the execution somehow and not necessarily in just the, the log line of the story uh, right. where, the, where the book shines Right. The, the elevator pitch doesn't make doesn't distinguish it from probably any, you know, a dozen books just like it. Um, I, I saw something something online somewhere where people were complaining about the trailer saying, oh, this is a ripoff of blank. Like this is a ripoff of Starcraft or this is a ripoff of any other number of movies with space marines fighting giant bugs. But of course, the book was written in, I think, 1984 you know, so predates all of those properties, but people don't have the, you know, quite the memory for that. It's, I mean, it's Um, interesting. And I mean, I, I, do you think that an interesting comparison will be like Starship Troopers? Um, Yes. I mean, particularly the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, cool. Now you, you say space Marines, uh, my preliminary research on, on Wikipedia during which I tried like hell not to, uh, <laughs> not to see at all the section that had plot in it, but just to see the right. stuff about uh, themes and critical reception and stuff like this said that this is a, uh, that in the United States Marine Corps, this book is recommended at se- you know at several levels uh of advancement uh, on a reading list for uh for marines um is i i i wonder and we can talk about this now or later uh as you like but i wonder if if you think it's actually useful uh for united states marines uh to read about these these space marines in ender's game i do and actually i said space marines even though the there's actually for a book about war in space. There's actually relatively little exposition and war in space. Like if you made, if you wanted to make toys based on just what you saw in the book, there'd be like nothing. There's no X wings. There's no like loving description of the tech involved. Uh-huh. Um, 
just because that's not the the project the book is engaged on. But as there, far as the, the there's Marine no Corps, there's no uh, you know uh, what are they called Rico's Roughnecks standing in a circle and firing into the center of the circle at the bug like in um, the film of Starship Troopers. Unfortunately, not. <laughs> <laughs> there, okay. there is a lot of de- and I should clarify there the big kind of. The reason Ender's Game exists in the first place was this idea of the battle room that Orson Scott Card wants to talk about, which is this training simulation that the children and that's a there's a lot of detail about that and the tactics that Ender's Ender uses in a battle room. Um, but when it gets to the actual to the uh, space stuff, it's not quite as uh, in depth because um, it's moved on. But as far as it, it, I can see why it is on the Marine Corps uh, reading list. Um, is a particularly one section. There's a two kind of two sec big section in the middle where it's talking about how he's building up his army inside the school. That is a legitimately good primer of all unit leadership about the isolation of command. Cause that's something he goes through in the book that because he is the commander and people look up to him, he's isolated and that's both self-imposed and imposed by just the necessary military life. And that's something that you have to grapple with. And then it's about the importance of putting trust in your subordinates and giving them explaining what you're doing and it, the little things like that, that are, it, it is a legitimately good way to learn about how to lead a small unit, mm-hmm. um, which is impressive given that the horse Scott card has no military experience as far as I know or anything like that. So it's, it is a legitimately good book, um, an entertaining way of getting those lessons. Do you think, I mean, are they uh, lessons on, on leadership that are uh, generalizable or are they uh, like leading small teams at work or something like that? Or is it, do you think that the focus is specifically uh, military leadership of a small unit? Some of it's specific to the military, um, but huh. some of it's definitely generalizable. Um, sure. It's definitely the the principles of leadership that are there are really about trusting your subordinates, which is something you can apply everywhere. It's about um, balancing different priorities and in any number of things that apply in in any context, leading, leading people. Um, so from uh, from uh, the uh, Wikipedia article, um, it's I, I learned it's on the professional reading list, and the, the rationale. Uh, given by the uh, the person who placed it on the reading list, who is Captain John F. Schmidt, uh, according to this Wikipedia article, uh, is that the book provides, um, and here I'm quoting, useful allegories to explain why militaries do what they do in a particularly effective shorthand way. Is that... Um, uh, so and and then also cites uh, what you say lessons in in training methodology leadership and ethics, uh, but but uh, what about this what about this justification justification for and I I'm assuming for the use of force I mean for violence the justification for violence the, is there right. uh, is that I'm I'm given to understand that's one that's one of the big themes of the book definitely even though I I, I pointed this out. In one of the Ender Thinking It articles, and I think it's interesting, this this contrast. Uh, this is from the, the front jacket of my copy, the review from the Library Journal, which describes the book as a gripping tale of adventure in space and a scathing indictment of the military mind. So there's kind of two ways to read it. <laughs> sure. Um, and I think, and that's what we'll want to get into, is to what extent 
does this book agree with arguments that the characters make? Because pretty much all of the characters in the book are part of this military machine that is fighting this alien threat. And so there's a variety of points where they're justifying it. They're justifying the tactics they use. They're justifying the violence. But by the end of the book, I think it's clear that we're not meant to take all of that at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily a condemnation of it, but I think we're, it's a, we're supposed to at least question the logic. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll get into that as, as we get into it. Um, but it definitely is a, a way of un, kind of understanding the way militaries work and to, to some extent. Excellent. But, well, cool. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard about that, and I mean, I what I had heard that uh, that sort of some of the criticism, some of the the uh, critical reception had had focused on, um, I guess, about on the character of Ender as a kind of proto proto totalitarian, or as a uh, sort of you know, I don't know, proto. Uh, you know, proto justified killer, right? Like, and and that that um, uh, th- that that was embraced uncritically by the book. So say, I mean, so say the so say the critics, or at least is presented in such a compelling way that the the um, uh, the arguments against it, or the argument for sort of irony and nuance, is is not as compelling in comparison. And I think that's definitely. We'll get into that because I think there there is that that argument that this is a justification for all the violence because Ender is a fairly violent person, mm. uh, but in every case, it's it's not exact it's not a first person book, but in a lot of cases we're getting access to Ender's internal justifications for his actions, um, and so it is definitely the first time you read it. It's hard to you don't necessarily condemn him for what he does. Um. But to that, to to that, I would point out, you know, and maybe I'm I'm reading more into this than is intended. But you look at how many people sympathize with Walter White, even even now, in Breaking Bad, you have people that are rooting for him to get away with all his meth dealing. But that's not really what the, the show is trying to do on Breaking Bad. Um, and I'm not sure this is quite the same, but I'm not convinced that this is entirely meant to justify everything he does and i can't say why i think that without spoiling the entire book uh so we'll have to wait until the end to get into that but as we go along we'll have to get into how how much do we buy ender's justifications and how much do we buy uh particularly one character colonel graf who's kind of his mentor how much do we buy his justifications throughout the book sure well that's that's uh that's going to be an interesting uh that's going to be an interesting discussion um Okay. Well, I, I mean, anything else? I don't know. You've given it a fa- you've given it a uh, a fair fair hearing. Um, I, I'm just kind of thinking about what to uh, what to expect a little bit. So so it's going to be mostly it's going to be mostly from from his point of view, uh, where uh, but not but not told in the first person. Right. Yeah. It's his his point of view. Uh, we're, we're primarily limited to the information he has. Uh, with a couple breaks, uh, we check in on his uh, his brother and sister once or twice. They're doing some stuff that's going on in the background. Uh, so we check in on them once or twice. Uh, and then there's a little bit of checking in on the, the commanders of the school. But for the most part, we're restricted to 
to what Ender knows and what what he's thinking about things. Right. Uh, so I uh, and again, don't tell me if it's if it's spoilery, but is there I mean, is there much like family life or social oh. life or anything like that? Uh, I I know that it, it revolves around sort of training in the space battle school or in the battle room or, or something. I don't know the details, uh, thank goodness. But um, uh, is it uh, I mean, are, is there a kind of multidimensional aspect to it where there are kind of other aspects of his life that are that are gone into and that are affected by the, the military training that he receives? Definitely. Uh, uh, his relationship with his family is complicated uh, and there's a lot of stuff other people that populate this battle school that his relationship with is very important. And then there's confrontations and he has allies and he has enemies inside the, of, of the other children. Uh, Cause a lot of the, all, obviously all the, most of the key relationships are Ender and the other children at the school. Uh, and so we'll get into that throughout the, throughout the book. Cool. Um, all right. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into it. I have here the first uh, couple lines uh, of the book, and um, do do you have your copy in front of you, Ben? Maybe we can yeah, read I've this. We can read this dialogue as a dialogue, and uh, and um, and we'll start just uh, reading the first page uh, of the book, and and uh, seeing what conclusions we can draw just from that material. Sound good? Sure. Excellent. So this is the beginning of Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, Chapter One, entitled Third. I've watched through his eyes, I've listened through his ears, and I tell you, he's the one. Or at least as close as we're going to get. That's what you said about the brother. The brother tested out impossible, for other reasons. Nothing to do with his ability. Same Same with the sister, and there are doubts about him. He's too malleable, too willing to submerge himself in someone else's will. Not if the other person is his enemy. So what do we do? Surround him with enemies all the time? If we have to. I thought you said you liked this kid. (laughs) If the buggers get him, they'll make me look like his favorite uncle. All right. We're saving the world after all. Take him. Ooh, right in medias race there, right? Like that's, uh, you know... (laughs) It's a bracing, that's a bracing beginning. So uh, what, what are we to take away from this? So, I mean, I'll start right with the title because uh, I'm realizing just first page kind of, it's a, it's a very good first page. And so the title third is a great way to world build right off the bat. Um, Cause as you figure out, and I think the first couple pages third in the world of Ender's game refers to a third child. And because the, this futuristic world where we're fighting this war, there's strict population controls to control its resources. And so Ender being the third child makes him an outlier. He, they're not supposed to be third child. Um, and I just think that's great world building right off the bat. And it kind of highlights one of the themes of the book, which is tools of social control. That sure they have punishments for people that have a third child, but the biggest way they do it is it's a slur. It's an insult to call somebody a third. Huh. Um, and throughout the book, we see that Ender, Ender in particular, are, is influenced with social control. They don't, they don't use guns. They don't use, they don't use violence. They don't use force to make Ender do what they want him, they want him to do. They use the tools of social control, which I think is a theme we'll see again and again. Hmm. 
So, uh, I mean, and this is kind of echoed in this, like, what do we do? Surround him with enemies all the time. That is to say, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's taken as read that sort of environment is kind of the deciding factor, right? Uh, right. On, on a person in, in their development. Um, though I understand that Ender is also supposed to be like intrinsically different from the other kids, more skilled, more talented, better at certain things. Right. He, he's definitely, and that's the, another key line here is I tell you, he's the one, because this is very much a mono myth. Um, we're, we're getting to hear first journey here. Um, although I think it's, it's subverts that trope in at least a few places, that's a little rough outlines of what we're getting here is we have a chosen one and he's going to, you know, go through some trials and he's going to slay a dragon and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's right up front is, you know, he's, he's the one. And so they kind of select him from the beginning as there, we think he's the best shot. And so we're going to develop him to make him the, the leader that's, that's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another line right up front is I've watched through his eyes I've listened through his ears. And then a little later, he's, he submerges himself in someone else's will. Hmm. And that's, that's another recurring theme of what makes Ender different, supposedly, is that he is able to put himself in his enemy's position. He's able to figure out, and that's how he wins his battles, is by figuring out, he looks at the battle from their perspective and then figures out how to beat them. Hmm. Um, which is supposedly what makes him different from everybody. There's this line that his brother, uh, the reason he tested out had nothing to do with his ability. So it's not that his brother wasn't smart enough to be what they want, but he doesn't have this quality that they're looking for of being able to put himself in someone else's shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything about to you? Yeah, well, I mean, so I I see. A, I mean, there's a little tension between um, between the idea of social control and forces of social control, and Ender being kind of too malleable in some sense, right? And I think we must be talking about different things uh, in terms of malleability, right? Like that is to say, we, we like the, the sort of malleability that allows us to control the population or to control individuals within the population by, uh, exerting effects on them through their environment. That's, that's good because it allows us to, uh, you know, run the planet. Right. But, but there's, there's a different kind of malleability, which has to do with, um, which has to do with empathy or which has to do with, uh, sort of watching through someone else's eyes or listening through someone someone else's uh someone else's ears and i suppose that has to do with the monitor that features in the first uh couple pages of the book right yeah right. that's just like the the bit of tech there and it, what you just said there of this inherent contradiction you know write that down that that's going to come up later um that how, how do you do because it how do you harness the genius of somebody supposedly you know as brilliant as ender supposedly he's the most brilliant military mind ever you know, how do you harness that genius but still direct it in the way you want it to go? Because the only way he can be a genius is if he's given the freedom to be different, if he can come up with new ideas. But if he comes up with too many new ideas, all of a sudden he's not doing what you want him to do. Right. Um, 
very much that that's a dilemma that is addressed later in the book. Uh, yeah, it's well, it's uh, sure. I mean, it's it's related, perhaps. I mean, the thing that jumps out to me anyway, when sort of getting into this thematic area, is the you know the idea of a uh, cowboys, right? Which I've talked about a lot. That is to say, there is this particularly American idea that the society, right, the town on the old in the old west, in the kind of lawless, barren, unforgiving old west uh, in landscape. Um, relies uh, for survival on a person whose actions uh, ipso facto place him outside of the community, right? And right. he sort of can't be uh, reintegrated into the community. And this, you know, this is kind of worked out in a lot of films. And I think in a lot of American entertainment, um, this idea of like the kind of the lone... Uh, the lone person who can sort of do the th- do the things. I mean, you know, you want me on that wall, right? You need me on that wall, right? Um, and so it's. Uh, I mean, may, perhaps the tension that that you're describing is related to that tension. I, I'll find out, I guess, as the book goes. Right, and it's it's actually kind of the same tension that's in this last line. The we are we're saving the world after all, kind of justifying this kind of terrible thing that about to do to a little kid you know they're about to surround him with enemies all the time mm-hmm. um and they justify it by saying we're saving the world with the the implication that what they're doing is okay or at least they're going to do it whether or not it's okay or not and is you know a, an aside issue but they're going to do it um because it must be done because we are saving the world and that's that's a big theme of this book is what what do you do when the world is at stake? When truly the existence of the, you know, the entire human race is at stake, does that change your morality? And if so, to what extent and, and things like that? And that's an issue that this book is very much grappling with. And that's, I mean, you know, I don't know how it, and th- that's going to be interesting to talk about because how small does that, how, how far do you have to lower those, how far do you have to lower those stakes before, right? Extraordinary measures are no longer justified, right? Like at what point do, do is there an ethics, right? Is there a kind of stepwise ethical function uh, where, you know, for stakes of like zero to stub your toe, the ethics are this for you know, right? Like uh, stakes of stub your toe to, you know, stitches in the hospital, the, the uh, on and on and on to the annihilation of humankind (laughs) and, you know, increasing, increasing levels of peril. Um, Okay. Last thing before we, uh, before we wrap up our uh, little prolegomenon here, uh, the, the title, not of the chapter, but of the book, Ender's, uh, Ender's Game. Is, is his nickname um, gone into at some point? Yes. Yeah, pretty early. This, this spoils nothing. Is It's very early on is that his sister's nickname for him as a child was – his name is Andrew. Uh, but his sister's nickname, somehow it became Ender. And so that's what people call him as Ender. Okay. Um, so it's done. It's done like this is a child sort of like phonetic – uh, you know, pet name or something like that. Um, right. Okay, so it's not so th- that's does it, so it doesn't address the sort of well, he is an ender. What what is he ending or what is he? You know, because I, I before I knew that it was the the name of a character, the name of the the lead character in in the book. I I thought. Well, Ender's Game, I mean, is this, who is the Ender? What is, what is the Ender? What is being ended? What is the, you know, um, 
what is the end that we're you know talking about? What are, what are the ends, and do they justify the means and uh, and stuff like that? I mean, there's an incredibly rich kind of set of connotations that comes up with the idea of end, ending, and ender, the one who ends, right? Um, are 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 we left to kind of puzzle that out on our own? For the most part, though, I do think it is deliberate because uh, it's nodded at point in the book. Um, just, again, just, uh, without spoil, uh, one of the other boys in the school at one point comments on the fact that his nickname is has the dual meaning of both a you know a shortened version of Andrew and also finisher, you know, Ender finisher, the the one who finishes things. Um, and so I think it's deliberate, and so it's probably worth talking. And then also game is a, what is a game? What kind of game is he playing? What are the limits of this game? All of that. Game is an important word throughout this book. Sure. I mean, games, I, I mean, and one of the things we can talk about is like, what, what are the qualities that make a game a game as opposed to some other kind of activity, right? right. Like, and, and rules and following rules and, and teams maybe, and, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah. And, uh, and in what sense, I mean, in what sense? Because we're talking about sort of social control, and I, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, space battle, space military training, right? Like, uh, so it, that's something that's being done to someone. Social control is visited on, on upon the individual, right? But the Ender's game, the possessive, makes it sound like um, the game sort of belongs to the ender or to ender the character or to all enders or, you know, <laughs> who end things <laughs> right in, in some way. And so there, there is a, there's a, a, an ambiguity there that, that may, even from what I know about the, the, what the limited amount I know about the themes of the book may uh, prove to be fruitful. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, thank you very much. This is super exciting, Ben, and I'm really excited to get started on uh, on the book. And if you at home are uh, excited to get started on the book, uh, your first due date is the week of, of uh, Monday, September 23rd. And uh, your assignment for then is chapters one through six of uh, Ender's Game. And we'll, uh, we'll post the syllabus, we'll post links, we'll post uh, schedule... Um, in the uh, in the show notes for this post, and uh, you can look forward in September to the start of the Overthinking It book club, uh, where we will subject Ender's Game, <laughs> as we subject <laughs> all popular culture, to a level of scrutiny. It probably it probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. <laughs>